Welcome to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're a covenant church located in western Wisconsin, and you can find out more information about us at BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and I want to thank you for listening. So there's this um, very familiar, um, very familiar verse, um, one of those Bible verses that, that most people know, um, you know, maybe like top like 20 Bible verses in the Bible. Um, this one time, Jesus says, he says um, <clears throat> to the crowd and his disciples, uh, this, isn't, this isn't actually in Mark 8, um, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple uh, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. He says, Forever, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And then in verse 36, he says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Uh, the, the reason I, I read this uh, right now is because for the next um, three weeks uh, here at Bethel, as we get, uh, you know, next is Advent. That's always the, the best time of the year. Uh, but for the next three weeks, um, we're looking at uh, three different ways that Jesus modeled um, losing the whole world to gain his life, um, to gain our life. And so if Jesus says if we follow him, um, uh, we have to lose our lives to gain it. Uh, And he says, you know, what's the point of achieving everything that you want, gaining everything you want, but losing your soul? And that word soul in the Greek uh, is is bigger than just we think of like our soul, like the core of who we are. Um, It's connected to the idea of your life, yourself, who you are. So Jesus says, right, if you want to live, you have to be willing to lose your life. He presents, presents these contradictions. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to look at three, um, three kind of contradictions, uh, three things that Jesus calls us to do uh, that um, won't gain us the world, um, won't accomplish our goals. I, I thought about calling this series Three Ways to Lose Friends and uh, lose influence with people. Um, uh, but this is how Jesus lived his life. Uh, and we know uh, we're going to talk about where it got him. And, and he invites us as people who put our hope in him, who believe in him, who trust in him, to um, make some of these sacrifices too, uh, to find life. And we may not accomplish all of our goals, but maybe we'll get something bigger than that. So that's, that's what we're looking at. Uh, the next slide uh, covers our first our first um, quote, our first verse, um, and this is from our, our chapter in Mark 10, 44, the second half of that verse, Jesus tells his disciples that if you want to be great, uh, you've got to be a slave to everyone. Uh, and so now if, you're, if you want to build something, if you want to accomplish your goals, if you want to change the world and gain power, this is the wrong way to do that. Uh, it's the wrong way to do that. Most of the time, uh, and, and myself included, we tend to think um, we have to make uh, sacrifices with other people to gain the things that we want. We have to accumulate um, wealth to gain the things that are most important. We have to make sure that we win uh, the conversation in order uh, to find life. But Jesus says instead, um, be a slave to all. So we're going we're gonna to take a look at this uh, together today. Um, so in, in Jesus' day, uh, Jesus' day was, I, I, love, uh, I love history. I love history, um, and, and one of the things I love about Scripture is, is this thing about history. What's, what's great about history and what's great about the Bible, I've found out, is that the more you um, 
understand what was going on back when Jesus was walking the earth, and the more you understand what was going on in any time period of history, the more you listen to what people say, um, the more you realize that things don't actually really change that much, right? The, the more you study history, um, the more you realize that we're really not that different um, from human beings in all times and places. Human beings tend to make the same kinds of choices. Um, so we're going to look at a, a little bit of Jesus' world, and, and you can just put that next slide up there, Andy. Um, so in Jesus' world, we're just going to look at a few different groups in Jesus' world and, and what was kind of going on when Jesus walked the earth. So uh, there are lots of different kinds of people roaming there, just like today, lots of different groups with distinct uh, political interests, but we're, we're going to look at at three. Um, we're going to look at uh, church people. They didn't have church people in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, uh, the people that I'm calling church people were the Pharisees. Uh, the, these were the, the leaders of the religious movement in Jesus' day, and these were the people that did their best to do what's right. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Pharisees and, and church people. Uh, we're going to talk about another group uh, in, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, uh, calls them uh, zealots, and in the history that, that was their name, zealots. Um, zealots um, were, were fighters in their world. They knew, so, so church people, uh, uh, the Pharisees, right? So the, the Pharisees, the church people, they thought um, that their world had gotten away from God. It had, it had gone away from what God wanted. And so the church people in Jesus' day, they were dedicating their lives uh, to living as, as perfectly as they possibly could in order to uh, get God's uh, chosen people back to their former glory, all right? So this first category, our Pharisees, our church people, uh, they, they dedicated their lives uh, to trying to build back this amazing nation of Israel, people that followed God really closely, so church people. Um, the second one, fighters, the zealots. Um, the zealots were a, a, a violent uh, movement. We would, today, if they exist today, we would call them uh, terrorists or, um, you know, like um, they were an armed, violent movement. Uh, this was a group of people that believed um, uh, Rome, the, the great overlords of Israel, uh, needed to be defeated, destroyed. They were being oppressed by, by the peacekeepers. We'll get to them, the Romans. They were being oppressed by the Romans and the zealots, the fighters. They thought the only way to achieve freedom and glory for our people is to strike back with violence. And so they would do, um, the old, old history books tell us that they would, um, the zealots, they'd walk through, these are Jewish people, they'd walk through the crowds uh, with all these uh, soldiers pressing in, and, and if there was someone um, that <clears throat> maybe was collaborating with the Romans, um, they'd, they'd come up behind them and just, as you, in the crowd, just kind of like knife them in the side, and they'd, they'd die. That was one of the things that these zealots did. Other things they did, they, they organized riots and, and, and fought, like violently resisted the Romans. Um, and finally, you know, we have our, our peacekeepers, uh, and, and the word I, I you know, that's, that's the, our, Roman, our Roman soldiers, right? In Jesus' day, uh, the, the political power in charge is the Roman Empire, uh, God's people, they're, they're under the authority of the Roman Empire. And so if you lived in Israel, uh, your uh, towns, the big cities, were full of, of peacekeepers, Roman centurions. Um, and just like every human being, almost every human being throughout all of history, uh, they thought they were doing a good thing. And the good thing the peacekeepers, the Romans, thought they were doing, they thought they were bringing order 
to a chaotic world, right? Uh, the more you read history, the more you learn that, that nobody thinks they're doing something wrong when they're doing it. Most people think they're doing something good, but maybe they're making compromises along the way. And so the, the church people, the thing, the good thing they were doing, they were trying to restore God's people, and, and, and they were willing, um, the Pharisees, to put on a show of devotion to inspire others, even if that devotion wasn't actually a part of their life. Uh, they were willing to do whatever it took to make Israel um, what they thought it needed to be. And so they made sacrifices. They, they hurt people. They tied up, Jesus says, you tie up heavy burdens on people and you won't lift a finger for them to follow. And Jesus' day, the, the church people, the Pharisees, they had a worthy goal and they were willing to compromise when it came to people to achieve that goal. The same was true for our fighters. The fighters desperately wanted a free Israel from the Roman oppression, and they were willing to do what it took, even if that meant hurting people, even if that meant killing innocent people, even if that meant uh, going to war with, with the Romans. They wanted a free Israel, and the, and the Romans, they didn't think they were bad guys. They didn't think they were evil. They thought they were keeping order. And so the, the Pharisees, they were willing to put on a show of devotion uh, to help fix God's people. The zealots thought they were freeing the people from the idolatrous Romans. The Romans thought they were bringing good order to a chaotic world. And just like our day, there were hundreds and, and uh, you know, probably tens and, and hundreds of other different kinds of affiliations and groups and people that thought uh, they were doing the things that they needed to do, they were doing the right things, and that the end that they were shooting for was worth whatever it took to get there. Uh, whatever compromises made, whatever person hurt, whatever violence done was worth it for their big goal. Um, just like today, just like today, all of us today, I think, um, they knew what they wanted was right, and they thought the end was worth whatever it would take to get there. And, and we're, the, we're the same. We have our own important issues. Um, we've got different names uh, for these things. We, we don't call ourselves uh, Pharisees, um, but we have our... Uh, our um, our names for this, and, but it all looks the same. We all have a, a thing in our lives, an important thing, that we think is worth making sacrifices to achieve. And oftentimes, our culture tells us it's, it's okay to sacrifice people to get there. Uh, even Jesus' disciples, they had ambitions to win. Um, the passage of scripture we're looking at is all about the ambitions of Jesus' good disciples. And so we're going we're gonna to take, take a look at this. Uh, verse 35, chapter 10, verse 35. So remember, this is a world. Everybody's got a dream. Everybody's got a desire, just like today. Everyone has a plan, and they want to get there. And so this is their plan. So James and John, the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee, Jesus' disciples, they came to Jesus, and they said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I always thought that was a goofy question in Bible until I had kids, and they ask you this all the time. Foster will say, I want to tell you something, but you have to say yes before I tell you. <laughs> and so James and John, they were smart. They, they knew. They're like, we want you to do uh, one thing for us and say yes, and then we'll tell you. Uh, but Jesus doesn't. He says, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. Uh, so let's try and understand what's going on. So Jesus has these disciples with them. They're following everywhere he goes. They're seeing him do miracles and teach surprising things. They're seeing the world kind of 
kind of shake. And they're imagining that Jesus might one day um, get rid of those peacekeepers, overthrow the church people, and, and restore Israel. And so James and John, they're, they're smart. They, they think, you know, um, I think this guy could make it. I think this guy could change the world. And I want to make sure that when he does, we're on the right and on the left. I want to make sure that when Jesus, Jesus is on the bottom right now, but we're, we're bought in early. I want to make sure when he takes the throne, we're on the right and the left. And, and Jesus responds um, by saying, uh, you don't know what you're asking. Because a, a, a section before, he's just told everybody that he's going to the cross. But Jesus' disciples, they, it's funny, it's almost like they don't hear it whenever you read the Gospels. Every time Jesus says, I'm going to go die and be killed, his disciples just hear static. Because <laughs> they, they don't like where that's going. And so Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Uh, because to be at my right and left means um, you're going to be on a, on a cross. He says, you don't know what you're asking. He says, can you drink the cup I drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Can you do what I'm going to have to do? And they say, um, like typical cocky young men ready to conquer the world, they say, of course we can. And Jesus says, you will. <laughs> But to sit at my right and left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. Now, if you know the story of Mark, um, Jesus actually has a couple of people in mind. It's a, a thief and a murderer that hang on his right and left side in glory. Uh, but James and John, they're, they're thinking just like us. They've got plans, they've got dreams, they've got things that matter, and, and they're good. They want to be a part of a good kingdom and rule well and be good, good people. Uh, and they're thinking just like we do. They think, I want to have a good seat in this new thing. I want to meet my goal. And so, so they ask, you know, how do I make sure that when Jesus makes it, we have power and influence? How can I make sure that we win too? And so that, that's why they ask that question. And it, and it carries on in verse 41. Uh, eventually, the other disciples catch wind of this conversation. And you can imagine that they're unhappy. And verse 41 says, When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Why are they mad? They don't want James and John over them. Yeah. No. What, what, what's the deal, guys? I thought we were all on the same team. And James and John are making side deals over here. No, they're indignant. And the, the disciples are getting fired up. They're getting frustrated because their goals of, uh, you know, even for the right reasons of, of advancing this, being a part of this kingdom, they're seeing, uh, it's sort of pulling apart. And, and Jesus says, he looks at them, they're fighting, and he says, enough. He says, I'm going to tell you uh, how uh, God's kingdom works uh, because this world's kingdom, this way of getting the things that we want, um, it isn't how God's kingdom works. Uh, Jesus says in verse 42, he calls them together and says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Jesus is saying, this is, you know how power works in the real world. Somebody's in charge and they're the boss and they uh, pour power down on the people that they're responsible for and they all have to do what the boss thinks and so that we can all accomplish the goal. He says, you know how it works in Rome. Caesar's the boss and everybody listens to him. Gentiles, every bit of power they have, they use it. They lord it over each other. They hold it over each other's head. Uh, but Jesus says this, I want you to do something different. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first 
must be a slave of all. Now, we've all heard this before, and so we have 2,000 years to, like, desensitize it and think, like, oh, like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a servant leader. That means that everyone listens to me, but I'm nice about it. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus is saying, uh, if you want to be first, you must be a slave of all. What does it mean to be a, a slave of somebody? Who sets the agenda? The master does, not, not the slave. Who, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a servant, I used to be a waiter. Um, and when you're a waiter, you, you look, everyone looks at you differently because you're, you're, you're a servant for the day. If somebody, you know, forgets to ask you for, for ketchup, they flag you down and you run over, you see their hand and you bring them ketchup. And if you don't, they're super mad because you weren't doing your job right, right? Yeah. Um, Jesus says, whoever wants to be first must be like that, must be at the bottom, a, a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus says, if you want to be great, if you want true greatness, you're going to find it at the bottom. Now this advice, uh, if, we're, if we're actually hearing what Jesus is saying, if we're not um, you know, trying to soften the edges and make it more palatable, um, this advice, it, it runs contrary to the message of the world, right? When it comes to getting what we want. Right? Our world says in their day, if you want to change the world, uh, get people and power and move it yourself. Uh, our advice today in the world says if you want to accomplish something great, you're going to have to sacrifice some people. You're going to have to get people to follow you and build yourself up so that you can accomplish something. And our world says, uh, you know, you need to fight for yourself. You need to cast everybody aside, fight for ideas, fight for greatness. If you have authority in this world, our world says exploit it. Use as much of it as you can to accomplish the important things that you're trying to accomplish, to make sure that you're sitting on the right and the left hand or whatever your goal is. If you have a position, uh, build it up. In, in Jesus' day, um, when people would do acts of charity, it was always um, towards people that could pay them back. And so you would have a, a set of, of, um, of people under you that you'd be their patron, and so you'd give them resources and money if you're a rich person and encouragement. And then they would do good things and that would make you look good. And that was the ancient world. You know, power is meant to be used. Um, and in their world, uh, just like ours, um, the message is that success is about controlling others, setting the agenda, getting what you want, and, and winning, right? And at the end of the day, uh, it's nice to be nice when you're trying to win, but what really matters when you're trying to win? That you win, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that you win. Uh, but Jesus said, um, in his world, uh, in, in, what, in the real world, if you're Christians, if you believe that there is a God who built the whole earth, who sent his own son in flesh and walked among us, who died and rose again from the dead, if you believe um, the world that this book talks about, uh, Jesus says the real world is, is different than that. Uh, the world that says uh, might makes right, if I get what I need for my own, then it'll be okay. That world's going to pass away in a blink, and God's going to bring a new world in, starting with Jesus. And so Jesus, Jesus did that. He says, in, in this world, if you actually want to be great, serve others. And if you're wondering what that looks like, what that means, uh, Jesus um, gives us a great example. Uh, uh, Mark, the author of the gospel, the very next story, he puts a little story there about Jesus serving somebody. All right? So 
Uh, James and John have their request. He says, be a slave to others. And if you read the gospel, you see Jesus doing that all the time. But if you go down to verse 46, you see a little example of what this looks like. It says, uh, then they came to Jericho, Jesus and his disciples. They just got done having this conversation. Together with a large crowd, they were leaving the city. So, so Jesus is, uh, even though he's serving people all the time, he's, he's gathering a, a group of people around him. And so here's Jesus and the disciples, and there's a crowd following him, and they're coming into the city of Jericho, and, you know, get out of the way. Jesus is a big deal. Um, <clears throat> but as they're, as they're coming in, uh, this blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, um, he was sitting on the roadside begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, when he saw the crowd, and he's like, hey, this is the guy that's been healing people. Uh, Bartimaeus is a smart guy, so he begins to shout as loud as he can to get Jesus' attention, because Jesus can help him. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's shouting this again and again. And you can imagine, you're with a crowd. You know, Jesus has his, his disciples, the crowd following, and they are doing something important. They're going to town. Who knows? Maybe Jesus is going to go teach something. And here's this guy screaming on the side of the road, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And verse 48 tells us that many responded exactly how maybe you or I would in this situation if you were with somebody really important, doing something really important. Many uh, said to the man, hey, be quiet. Jesus is, is too important to deal with your problem today. Shh, be quiet, but he can't help himself. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and Jesus, um, because he's a servant, because he is a literally in this moment a, a slave to the random uh, deaf, a random blind stranger sitting on the side of the road, uh, Jesus makes himself a slave. Jesus hears his call. It's like, it's like the, uh, the, the blind man is sitting at his table and he's raising his hand up because he needs ketchup. <laughs> and Jesus stops and says, call him over here. So they call to the blind man and they say, cheer up, on your feet. Yeah, he's calling you. Uh, throwing his cloak aside, the blind man jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Um, and Jesus asks him, uh, the same question, actually, right, that he asks James and John. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asks, and the blind man says, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus says, your faith has healed him. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Uh, so Mark gives us this as an example of, of Jesus serving somebody. And, and, and you can see three things that he does in this moment. Um, that sometimes we forget to do when we're too busy doing something really important. When we're too busy trying to accomplish a really important goal that we don't have time to deal with whatever that other thing is going on. Uh, the first thing Jesus does, the first way that he's a servant, is he sees the needs of others. Oftentimes in our life when we're focused on something that matters, and if you're a human being, whatever your goal is, whatever you're focused on, whether it's your career or your family or um, what, whatever it is that's filling your mind, uh, we, we get tunnel visioned on that. And when we're focused on something really important that we think really matters, it gets really hard for us to see the needs of others. Oftentimes, the more focused we are on something that really matters, and, and, and maybe it's like a, a really important thing, the more willing we are to say, you know, I don't have time to deal with that because what I'm dealing with is more important. But Jesus, even though he's God himself walking the earth on a mission to save it, he has the time to see the need of others. It's like that waiter noticing your drink is empty. 
He sees the person that he's serving. A servant sees people. Uh, Second, Jesus allows the needs of somebody else to interrupt and supersede his his plans. As I was thinking about this this week and and reading the story, how crazy is that? How crazy? It's like, uh, it's like if the, you know, like, I don't know, like the president was like driving down the street and he saw somebody that needed help and they're like, forget the itinerary for today. We've got to deal with this person. Jesus is God himself on earth on a mission. Jesus' mission is to save and restore uh, all human beings that put their faith in him, right? And to, and to, uh, to fix the whole world. That's what, that's what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to save the whole world Yet he lets one yelling blind man stop him on his way into town. We have a God that responds to interruptions. And as I was thinking about this this week, I was thinking about how many times have I had an interruption and said, you know what, what I'm dealing with right now is too important to answer that call or to deal with that person or to listen to that person's story. What I'm dealing with is so important I can't take the time to do that. But Jesus, the God of the universe, is a servant. He allows others to interrupt him. The world made flesh is not too busy for one random blind beggar. That says something. And finally, Jesus uses what he has to serve. He responds and and heals the man. And it's funny, you look at that story and how he heals him, he says, your faith has healed him. The way that has healed you, the way that Jesus even, even heals this person is not like a big, powerful, amazing person kind of giving away a little bit of money. He lifts him up from the bottom. He says, do you believe? Well, it's your faith that's healed you. Uh, Jesus' mission uh, could be paused to help a blind beggar. If the God of the universe can lay aside his plan to care for somebody, what does that say about our responses when we're interrupted? Jesus says, if you want to find life, you've got to give life away. He says, that's where true life is. That's where true greatness is. It's it's laying down and letting go. And ultimately, if you've read the Gospels, you know how this life of serving others works out for Jesus. Uh, and, and the next two things we'll talk about in the next two weeks. You know where, where it leads, right? Where does, where does all of this helping people and serving people and listening to people and caring for people get Jesus? It goes to the cross, right? Uh, it doesn't wind up with Jesus on top of those stairs sitting on a throne. It actually, uh, all of these things, they lead to the cross. Jesus served people all the way to the cross, where as he was uh, dragged and hung on it, he refused to use his power to win against the Romans in that moment. He hung up there and died a shameful death as a servant, but three days later, the empty tomb proved that he was fighting a battle that was so much bigger than those random Romans maybe we wanted him to defeat. Because three days later, the empty tomb proved that God, in fact, was the ruler of the world. That human power and authority, even when it's used to its max, and and the most any human authority can do is take somebody's life, even when it's used to its max, God's authority supersedes it. 
Even when uh, human power, a uh, human being dies on a cross, God's power is stronger than that. We're invited to live like we can serve all the way up to the cross because our lives are being held by a God who is bigger than death. We're invited to receive a free gift of true life and to live like greatness is not found by stepping on others to accomplish something, but serving people who can't serve us back. Jesus, though he was God himself, made himself a servant, giving his life for his enemies. We're invited to put our faith in Jesus, to live like that same God rules the world today that ruled the world when Jesus walked the earth, and to serve others and taste true life. We do it by laying down uh, our goals in favor of someone who needs us. We do it by trusting that when we let go of something, someone bigger than us is holding on to our lives. We do it by trusting that no matter what happens to the things that we think are most important, our lives are held by the author of life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to join us in worship Sundays at 10 a.m., both in person or online at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great day.